When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on an all-new Dr. Phil. My daughter moved in with me with her two boys and her dog. A bad economy is forcing kids back home. I can't afford to live on my own. Are they getting a free ride? Do you get up in the morning and take care of the children? Who wants to get up at 7.30? So you're feeding the kids? This is not about who to blame. This is about who to change. And from riches to rags. Welcome to my hotel room. He lost his six-figure job. You may have to start at the bottom. My pride won't let me do that. But Dr. Phil has some free advice. How much money did you make yesterday? Nothing. What did you make the day before? Nothing. Get the best job you can get the day you can get it. I know things are tough out there, but we can do this. If it matters to you, that's what I want to talk about. 10 seconds to air. Love you. Well, thank you. This is going to be a changing day in your life. Ready, camera five. Take track. Go, Dr. Cal. Let's do it. You've all written me tons of letters in the past. You write me about how sometimes you just get bled dry by either your Klingon kids or other freeloading family members. Now, you've heard me before. What I've said is you need to buck up and kick them to the curb. <laughs> I mean, seriously, how many times we got to raise these people? But it's a new day with new economic realities, and it just might make sense to consolidate branches of the tree under one roof. But this is not a free pass for freeloaders because there's a right way and a wrong way to consolidate under one roof. Now today, we're gonna to talk about how to redefine your relationships. And I've got some examples. I'm curious if you identify with one side or the other of this story. Now Sandy's 25-year-old daughter, Jamie, was unemployed, and newly divorced when she moved back home. She hasn't paid any rent or lifted a finger around the house. And not only that, she didn't really come home alone. Take a look. My daughter moved in with me with her two boys and her dog. I allowed my daughter to move back home with me because she did not have any place else to live. I'm a control freak and this chaos has been very difficult for me. Yeah. It's stressful because I feel like I don't have any place that's my own. My daughter makes me angry because she is disrespectful to me and to my son. Jamie owes me around $5,000 for various loans. She does not contribute to the household income. She fails to do chores. You know, you can't wash this, the counter out, the stove off, Jamie, with a dishcloth when you're done using it. What did I cook? I don't know, but this has been around. I didn't cook anything. My mom does usually ask me to help her around the house. My daughter seems to think she's the center the universe and that everyone owes her and she tends to use people and it makes me very angry. My daughter will use her boys to manipulate me to help her out with taking care of them. By the time I get home from work at 11, my kids are already in bed. So my mom has done the bathing, teeth brushing, feeding, everything for them. I feel like there is no light at the end of this tunnel. 
Okay, what's your goal in being here today? My goal, Dr. Phil, in being here today is to help me help my daughter without being an enabler. I want her to be an independent adult, and I want her to contribute to our household. Have you been enabling her? I believe I have. How? By letting her get away with things when I shouldn't, by yeah. not addressing issues that I should address. Yeah, why don't you do that? I mean, you're an adult, this is your house, your home. Why haven't you set down what you think's right? Uh, sometimes Jamie has responded in a um, negative way, acting out, screaming and yelling at things. And I'm afraid of how she will react to something when I try to put my foot down. So you're afraid of your daughter? I'm afraid of how she would react, yes. My daughter has scared me before. I feel like things can quickly go out of control. You're never really sure what might set her off. We've had fights and times where she's gotten in my face and frightened me, hollering and yelling at me. She has moments of violence. She's put a hole in the wall before she hauled off and hit me in the chest. There are many days that I avoid confrontation with my daughter just because I'm concerned about how she will react to it. What do you say to that? Are you a bully? I don't think so. I just, I do have, not necessarily an anger problem, but I do get mad. I don't know how to take it out. Well, now, wait, wait a second. One thing you gotta do here is understand this is not about who to blame. Mm -hmm. This is about who to change. But one thing you gotta do with me is you gotta be honest straight up. Now you just gave me a complete contradiction. <laughs> you said, now I don't necessarily have an anger problem, but I really get mad and I really get, so do you have an anger problem or don't you? I think I do but I don't try to bully it. Let's see what we can agree on. Because understand, you guys are an example. Because right now in this economy, a lot of families are having to consolidate. But there's a right way and a wrong way to do it, right? Yes, there is. And you're not doing it the right way. I don't think so. Okay, can we agree that this isn't working? Yes, I totally agree. It's not working for it's you. It's not working Have you for had me. enough? I've had more than enough, and it's just, I, I'm at my wit's end. What do you think about that? Are you a problem here? Yeah, I think I am. I, it's hard because I don't want to live at home, but I didn't know what else to do at the point I was at. Okay, well, you're, you're, you're experiencing, in my opinion, what I refer to as the eco-emotional meltdown. It is economically driven, but there's an emotional meltdown here, isn't there? Because your self-esteem is on the floor. Yep. Because you've got two children, you've been out on your own, bam. It yep. all falls apart, and you wind up having to come home and live with mama. Yep. And that was one of the things you were really looking forward to getting away from, right? Yeah. I, you wanted to get out on your own, and you did. And now you're home. Yeah, I didn't live at home for three years, and to come home the way I had to was hard. It, that's not what I wanted to do at all. I didn't want to be home, not because I didn't love my mom, but I just don't feel like it's a place that I can live in feel comfortable living because I don't know what to expect. What are your alternatives? The street. Honestly, I don't I don't I don't have anybody else to live with. I can't afford to live on my own with two kids and daycare and So what happened? How were you living on your own? You were living on your own. You have two children. Were you married? I was married. Uh-huh. What happened? He left. So I assume he's paying you child support? He's actually not biologically the father to either of my kids, but it's the only father my youngest one has ever known. So you have two children by two different fathers and a husband that's not a father of either one of Correct. them. Correct. Okay, and he leaves you. So 
we, we know that judgment might be a problem in your selection of men. Okay? <laughs> yes, that could well, be. I mean, let's put some things on a to-do list over here. Uh, your ability to judge these old boys sucks. All right, because you've yeah. been left once, twice, three times, and you're paying for it. I am, and it's not been easy for either one of us. Do you use those kids as leverage? There are times I know I do. And there are times that I know I don't try to do it, but I do. But it's emotional extortion, right? I mean, yes. it's emotional extortion <laughs> no, with you because it's like, kick me out, you kick your kids out. And she said it that is. before. She's told me, you can leave. I will take care of the kids. And that's the point it's become is I feel like I'm, I'm not wanted, but my kids are. Because yeah. they're her grandkids and they love her no matter what into pieces. So how does that feel that you're not wanted but your kids are? It hurts because my oldest son, <laughs> I really think he thinks this, this is his mom. I'm just the mom, but this is his mom to him. Okay, let me ask you two something. And I said both of you are going to have to own this. And again, yeah. I'm talking to every family in America that's consolidating right now. There is a tendency when you, you leave the house, you go out, you live on your own, and then you come home, you regress back to the relationship you had before you left. Yes. Because when you were there, you were a kid, right? Your development is arrested at that level yeah. because you've redefined things. Do you get up in the morning and take care of the children? It just depends, like, on the day, really. If I've worked the night before, chances are I'm, I, I don't want to get up because I don't get out until 11, 11.30. Who wants to get up at 7, 7.30 the next morning and get somebody ready? So you're yes. piled up in bed and you are doing what? You're fixing breakfast and feeding the kids? I'm doing one of two things. I'm either fixing them breakfast and getting them ready or I'm sending them down to wake up their mom. I kind of go back and forth depending on how I think her mood is. But they're, but they're your children. Yes. Correct. But you stay in bed and she fixes it and you say they look at her as mom. My oldest one does, yes. Well, I wonder That's why. I mean, it wasn't, I, I don't know, like I know moving home probably... It wasn't the best decision, but that's what I had to do at that point. It may have been the only decision. And here's the point. I'm not saying it was even the wrong decision, but there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And you guys are doing it the wrong way. Definitely. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about how to do it the right way. Can these two negotiate a new way of living together? Can they get a new relationship, adult to adult, instead of this parent, 14-year-old child paradigm? We're going to talk about that when we come back. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. talking about what I refer to as a new family dynamic right now. How to deal with when your kids suddenly need to return to the nest. Now look, uh, is it a bad thing? Not necessarily. There's a right way and a wrong way to do this. And in these economic times, we are having some situations where families have to consolidate. Now Sandy's daughter and grandsons had to move back in uh, to her house. Now, let, let's be honest about this. Are you proud of the way you're living in that home right now? No, not at all. Are you proud of how you're parenting these children? Not at all. Are you proud of the way you're treating your mother? Not at all. 
All right, so why are you accepting that from yourself? We've always had this like barrier, it feels like. I just don't, I don't know how to talk to her unless it's something like very simple, like what's going on for the day. I mean, to really have a conversation with her, anybody really, I can't, I have never been able to do it. I've always been closed. That's yeah, just okay, how well, let's, let's put the communication aside for a minute here. Uh, how much money does she owe you? It's probably about $5,000, somewhere between five dollars and $10,000. She owes you $5,000. How often That's do you correct. ask for that money? Um, probably not often enough. How I, often have you stepped up and required her to play this game at a different level? Not nearly often enough. So you mutually define this relationship. You're a user and you're a usee. You just say, oh, you know, whatever, it's easier not to deal with it, right? I believe I'm an enabler of the situation, absolutely. Yeah, and you said that you're a perfectionist, so you'd just rather do it yourself and have it done right? Well, a lot of times it just feels easier to me than not to have to deal with the trauma and the drama and all of the things that go along with asking for certain things to be done, well, to just do it myself. But you can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, I'd rather just do it myself than have all the drama, but then I don't like to do it myself. I mean, don't you have to choose one or the other? And you can't complain about both. Well, and that I don't complain about anything. I just do it and I just keep keep it well, inside. You, did, you complained to me about it. Well, I did. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm having to listen to this. <laughs> I mean, I can't even, I probably can't fold the towels right. I can't mow the yard right. I can't wash dishes right. I can't walk, clean the floor right. It's just, if I try to do stuff, I feel like every time I do something, I always get hit with, it wasn't good enough, or it was kind of a slide underneath the table. Well, looks like I have to do that again. All right, let's take the communication part aside, because you say that doesn't work for you. You don't communicate well with people, although you seem to be quite expressive with me. <laughs> what about the fact that you know these are your children? They are your job. They are your life. You put their interest above your own. Why are you allowing yourself not to step up and do what you need to do as a responsible mother for these children? Why is that okay with you? It's not okay with me. Based on results, it is, because it's what you <laughs> but do. But it's kind of the sense that my mom is, my mom steps up and, and takes that role, I think, sometimes. I mean, there are times, like, my kids wanted to do, to do basketball, and I said, you know, they can't do it because I have to work. She stepped right in and said, well, it's on this night. I'll, I'll take them. I'll do it. You know, it's, it's like that to me. I mean, I don't, tr I don't want to. Okay, are you telling me that it's your mother's fault that you're not parenting your children? No, but I think that she also, I feel like she's also helped enable it more because she does, she does often step up and say, I'm just going to do it. It's that controlness to, to it. So you are saying you're a victim. She's over-controlling, interfering mother, and she's crowding you out. <laughs> kind of, yes. I mean, come on. I mean, let's just call I mean, a spade I, a spade. That's what you're yeah. saying. And so you, you have trouble communicating and you actually get violent. I've, I've punched the wall before, yeah. Well, you've punched more than the wall. I Haven't you hit, pushed your mother? Haven't you yelled and screamed and said, at her? Yeah. True? Oh, yes. Yeah. She's gotten into my face. Um, one time she did punch me in the chest. Not okay. recently. It was a number of years ago, but yes. Okay. So that, I'm fearful of that reaction. Okay. Now, look, let's just get down to brass tacks here. Do you realize what you just said? You said, I have somebody that is a guest in my home. Is it your child? Yes. But does that mean that you work for her? No, that's not what it means. It means you aren't even helping her. If you're allowing her to be a layabout, if you're allowing her to not step up and, and accept her responsibilities, if you're doing things in her stead 
and, and, and then it gets to the point that she is actually physically attacking you? Come on, Mom. You, you got to know that's crazy. It is. That's, right? That's, that's why we're here. Okay, well, we need to crazy. redefine this relationship. We do. We need to redefine this relationship. We need to set some standards. Are you prepared to start requiring more of yourself? Yeah. Because, come on, I mean, you're on the Dr. Phil show. Yeah. It's time that this is a wake-up call, that you start requiring more of yourself. Mm -hmm. And you, you have to be willing to do this or you have to be willing to go somewhere else because you're not helping her by accepting what you're accepting. It's not helping you and it's not helping her. It's not healthy. I know that. It's not healthy, but you do it because it allows you to avoid the problem. I don't like the confrontation. Yeah, so you avoid the confrontation, you avoid the problem, which makes you feel better in the moment, doesn't help her, and it doesn't help you in the long run. That's true. All right, well, I'll tell you what. When we come back, we're going to redefine this relationship. When we come back, we're going to be over here in another area, and you two are going to sit down, and we're going to negotiate this. And I hope everybody in America takes notes because this is exactly what you need to do if all of a sudden you're pulling the branches of that family tree into a bundle. Well, we'll be right back. The two boys are very rambunctious. What really drives me crazy is when the boys run up and down the hall and make the dogs bark. And I telecommute for work, and it's very embarrassing to me because I'm trying to conduct business. Jamie will yell at them. Yeah, you know what? Actually, we don't have any. Which creates more noise and stress, and it makes it very difficult for me to focus on my job. Well, we're back. Uh, I'm here with a mother and daughter that are in a situation that is happening more and more in America today. We're having to consolidate family because of the economic difficulties. And I mean, you may be one of those people that have had a boomerang kid. You throw them out and they come back. But there's a right way and a wrong way to do this. The wrong way to do it is what you guys are doing, correct? Yes. All right, I mean, you have defined this as a child. You've come home in the role of a child you've kind of regressed back to that, right? And that's that means moving backwards for you, and it means moving backwards for you. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I ask you before the show to sit down and think about what you really wanted to say. So we need to renegotiate this. It's time for you to step up. We teach people how to treat us. So tell her what you think. Tell her what you feel. Look her in the eye. Jamie, I realize that times are hard for you and I welcome you and your sons into my home with open arms. Do uh, you, you really mean that? I mean it. I love all of you. Do you get that? Them. She said, oh, I, I welcome you into her home. I do, because like I said, I was in Florida when it happened. And the first words out of her mouth were, if you have to come back home, that's what we're going to do. How many other offers did you have? None. So out of everybody in the world, you had one offer and it's her, and you're abusing the offer. Yep. Well, let's redefine it. These are the rules that I feel like I need to have in place in order for you to continue to live in my home. I would like you to contribute a portion of your income to our household income. I believe that 20 to 25% is not an unfair figure. What do you think about that? That's, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I don't. Okay, that doesn't mean some of the time. It means that you contribute to the budget. Start taking some pride in yourself. I mean, step up and do something, and that's the first thing. 
I need you to get out of bed in the morning and get those boys ready for school. I want it to be without yelling and arguing and crying. I want the boys to get to school and have a great learning day. I don't want them to be upset when they're ready to go to school. I agree to that too. It's hard. I think part of it, I don't know how to do it some days because she is there. But you can't work it out asleep. Right, no. You can't work it out asleep. And I don't care if you work till 1130, get up and get your kids up and get them ready to go to school. And what she's telling is don't turn them into an emotional wreck, yelling and screaming and slamming things around because you're pissed off about having to get up. They're your kids, get up, get them ready, and do it in a responsible fashion. Require more of yourself. Jamie, the one thing that I asked you a long time ago was to keep the toilets clean. You know that little boys don't have the best aim. Come on, they're your boys. If they're hosing the place down, clean it up. Don't expect or assume that I will be responsible for the boys. Act as if you were living alone with them. Now you're saying that your oldest looks at her as mom. He needs to look at her as grandmom, your mom. And you got a lot of years to go. And this is the time to solidify that relationship. You let them know. And you have to help in this. If they come to you, they need to get answers from her, not yes. from you. You need yep. to not be involved in that. You need to get out of the way and let her and those boys negotiate their relationship. Yes. Jamie, this one really bugs me. I, I don't really like it when you micromanage my life. You're taking her inventory? I can think of one instance in particular. I just said, hey, you know, it's this time, you know, you had to do that. Well, I know that. And she's screaming at me about it. And I'm like, well, I was just trying to let you know that that's what time okay, it was. But I mean, she's a grown woman. Right. I mean, you're like a hitchhiker that gets a ride and then starts bitching about the way they drive. <laughs> you don't get in the car and start ragging on somebody who's giving you a ride. Okay, go ahead. I need you to clean up after the boys. Make sure that the dishes get in the dishwasher. It's one step from the sink to the dishwasher. Get them in there. Okay, let me summarize this. She doesn't want you to raise them like she raised you. Yeah, right. I mean, seriously, she did not ever discover that you had arms, <laughs> that you could actually pick things up and put them away, that you could wash. You never required that. So now you're reaping what you sow. And it's time that you don't do to your boys what she did to you. Teach them to be self-sufficient. They will thank you for it. It's time that you, you recognize you're not going to live with her ever. Aren't you going to feel kind of funny if you're like 45 and you're living with your mother? It won't be happening. No, it will be happening if y'all don't do something about it. It's time that you start contributing, that you start setting up a budget, you start working your way out of this, you start looking for a better job. Mm -hmm. You start upgrading, you start getting your feet back under you and moving in life. Right. If she's willing to do this, are you willing for her to live in your home? Absolutely, absolutely. Jamie, if you follow these rules, you are more than welcome to stay with me. If you can't follow these rules, that's okay, but I'm gonna to have to ask you to leave. Can you do this? Most definitely. Bones, can I have a Sharpie, please? If you would. <laughs> and that is witnessed <laughs> by me. Autograph. All right. All right, coming up, we're going to talk to a wife who feels her husband is bleeding her dry. Not, not her son, not her daughter, her husband. She says he hasn't worked in three years. She's fed up. She's ready to leave. We'll be right back.
a beautiful $4.5 million home. Welcome to my hotel room. I've been out of a job now for almost three years. He's being very selective about what kind of job he goes for. I don't understand how he could let me struggle. I don't want to be with someone who's not supportive to me. talking about what I call a new family dynamic in these tough economic times. What do you do when it's your spouse that you feel like is bleeding you dry? Now, Debbie and Paul were sitting in the lap of luxury, fancy cars, expensive vacations. They even had a place that was nothing short of a palatial mansion. But when Paul lost his job three years ago, they lost everything. And at one point, she was waiting tables while he was waiting at home for the right job. When we both had jobs, there were no worries. We lived in a beautiful $4.5 million home at 10,000 square feet, a huge pool. The electric bill and water bill were in excess of $1,000 a month. Traveled all over the world. We went through a, a number of cars, a Porsche, Range Rover, Jaguars. Welcome to my hotel room. In our old home, we had a library. Now I have a couple of books on a suitcase. I used to have walk-in closets, and now I have plastic tubs. I had a beautiful kitchen, Sub-Zero fridge. Now I have mini fridge. We had to take all our jewelry and pawn it. I don't even wear wedding bands now. Everything that we've worked for went just to keep us afloat. And this is my biggest fear that I'll be homeless. It's put a stress on our marriage. Debbie puts the blame for it. Whatever it is, it'll turn out to be my fault. She enjoyed a much better standard of living when I was working, and it's become a bit of a burden for her to bear. I've been out of a job now for almost three years. He's being very selective about what kind of job he goes for. I understand you're smarter, and it's hard to go from a six-figure salary down to minimum wage $8, but why would you let me go out to be a waitress work 14 hours a day. I don't understand how he could let me struggle. The whole marriage I've worked. And at this point, I don't want to be with someone who's not supportive to me. So why are you with him? I mean, it's been three years. Um, essentially, when Paul first got laid off from his job, you, know, you try to look for a blessing in, in something, and it was that he did have the opportunity to go to the doctor. You know, the Silicon Valley ex executives working 14 hours, 18 hours a day. Oh, can't go to the doctor, but good thing he did. He was diagnosed with prostate cancer. So I will grant him that the first year that he was laid off, take care of business, become cancer free. I'm grateful for that. But at this point, I don't like to deliver ultimatums, but Dr. Phil, I am emotionally drained I don't know when or if we will be homeless. If you ask me to hedge a bet right now, I'd say it could be we're one paycheck away from it. If, if something happens to my health, where would we be? So you're bringing in money right I now? I bring in the money. Okay, so you're working. I work. How many hours a day? Um, well, I've been fortunate enough not to have to be a waitress any longer. I do. I work in the medical field. I was called back. Mm -hmm. So that's um, working an eight-hour day but I have an 80-mile commute round trip, so that's draining. So when you were working as a waitress, what, what were you doing those hours that she was working as a waitress? 
I'm at home basically writing resumes, responding to recruiters, um, on the phone, getting pre-screened for interviews. What time um, do you get up in the morning usually? About nine o'clock. Sometimes. Um, when I worked closer to where we lived, I'd run home sometime, maybe for lunch, and he'd be in bed. And the excuse so would, Like noonish? 11.30, yeah, noonish, in bed. And I'd come in very quietly, but then when I approached the bedroom, I'd go in like gangbusters. What are you doing? And, oh, I don't feel well. Yeah, likely story. Um, I just am at the point where, to me, it's all about smoke and mirrors. Pretend, at least, that you are doing something productive during the day. The best thing that could happen to me, if I were to come home and find the laundry done, I've um, enabled a monster. By home, you mean that yeah, uh, hotel yeah, room? Yeah, that's, that's where... It is what it is. That's yeah, no, what it, yeah, I, it, I listen, know. it's a roof. It's, and I'm thankful for that. I don't want it to appear ungrateful. No. I, you know, I do have a roof over my head. But if little things mean a lot to me, I would like to be able to, you know, have him straighten up. Do, do you want- help around the room? <laughs> yes, I do help around the room. In fact, I tidy a lot. I like things in their place. Okay, but listen. Uh, Let's just be honest here, yeah. just you and I. Um, you're a bright guy, right? I like to think so. And you're able-bodied. I am. How come you're not working? I worked in the high-tech industry, and I specialized in, in certain aspects of it. How much money did you make yesterday? Uh, yesterday did I make? Nothing. How much did you make the day before? Nothing. And I think and those add up, right? <laughs> yeah, they do. No, I mean, you get a lot of zeros in there, and then pretty soon you, you've really drawn the average down. All right, well, we've got to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about jobs that Paul refuses to take. And what do you really do? I mean, is there genuinely uh, an economic impact here? He's, he's lost a six-figure job. That's a reality. You can't deny that. But what do you do about it? We'll be right back. Paul doesn't help me do anything, never offered to do laundry. I find him in bed, 11, 30, 12 o'clock. I've enabled a monster. Pride is one of the things which I feel has been one of my biggest downfalls. I don't think this is fair to me. If you would like to purchase a tape or transcripts of your favorite Dr. Phil show, please log on to drphil.com or call 866-4-DR-PHIL. That's 866-437-7445. 866-437-7445. I got him a job at Mervyn's. He showed up for two days. He goes, I can't do this. I'm smarter than these people. I received an email advising me of an open job fair at Terminex. Job offers on the spot. And he refused to go. Spring for bugs would be a step down for me, and my pride won't let me do that. Well, we've been talking to Paul and Debbie. Now, Paul has been unemployed for three years. Meanwhile, Debbie has been working nonstop, sometimes two jobs, sometimes 14 hours a day as a waitress. And she's saying, look, I've had enough. You said, I can't go take some of these menial jobs because my pride just won't let me. 
I paid my way through college. I've worked hard. I started at the bottom of the industry. I worked my way to the top. I perhaps very wrongly feel I've paid my dues in a sense that I, I want to get back into the fast stream of things and have the opportunity to give Debbie that standard of living that I was providing when I was working full time. But I, I just have to tell you, you know, psychologically speaking, yes. And I think about self-esteem, it's kind of hard to fall off the floor. You're laying at home in a bed in a hotel room in the middle of a bunch of plastic bins. I mean, wouldn't you feel better about yourself doing anything besides that? Well, what's been missed out on here is I, I stay up working. I say working. Um, because I'm, I'm reading, I'm getting maybe 70 or 80 resumes a day back from companies and I'm responding to them until two in the morning. If it's been three years, yes, you ain't working. Right. I mean, come on. I understand how you could say, I'm going to really hit this hard. I'm going to get these resumes out. But at some point, you may have lost your job in the high tech industry, but you have relinquished your job as a husband. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem I've got. You have relinquished your job as a husband. I've been poor. I have been homeless, where I would have killed for that room right there. I have been homeless and living on the streets. I know where you can wind up. And your job is to get the best job you can get the day you can get it. Your job is to do something every day to contribute to the finances of the family. Mm -hmm. If it's 100 bucks a week, if it's 200 bucks a week, whatever it is, your job is to do what you can to make an effort to contribute to this family. Mm -hmm. To me, it's about smoke and mirrors, try. You know, act enthusiastic. I I, I want, you're a smart guy. And I know how hard it was for you to go to, to Target and stock shelves, but you know what, this dream job, I think siliconvalley.com.bomb, I'm not sure that it's gonna happen. Let's be clear about this. Nobody's knocked on the door of your room and offered you a job, right? No. Let's say, for example, that he had a job that was making $2,000 a month for the last two years. What difference would it make right now if you had $50,000 that you don't have? It would allow me to breathe easy, to sleep, to not be fearful about being homeless. That's my biggest fear. Do you not think that you need to take the best job you can get on the day you can get it? Um, I mean, aren't you kind of at that point? No, I- I, You held out for something in your field. I get that for a period of time. But let me tell you, as somebody that has been an entrepreneur all of my life, Mm -hmm. has hundreds of employees now, I can promise you, if I'm interviewing somebody and say, what are you doing? They say, well, I was in IT and it crashed. Yeah. So what I've been doing since then is scrambling around and working my butt off, doing what I can do every single day for the last two years, trying to get a break back into information technology. I'm going to feel a lot better about that person than somebody who has a three-year gap in their resume and hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to feel a whole lot better about that guy who says, let me tell you what you know about me. I'm a guy that does what it takes. I'm a guy that yeah. does what it takes when it takes it. And if that means doing a menial job, 
to make sure I'm contributing to my family, that's what I'll do. But I've kept my mind active. I've stayed current in the field. I am up to date on the things that are happening, and I'm prepared to step into this job today. Now, that's going to mean a lot more to me as a potential employer than somebody who says, I've been sitting around mailing out 70 emails a day and haven't hit a lick since. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to take a break here. Uh, if you're a grandparent, you know there's nothing you wouldn't do for your grandchildren, but at what price? I've got a little question I'm going to answer when we come back, and I'm going to tell these folks what I think needs to happen. Dr. Phil, my daughters say it's a privilege for me to watch their children. I charge the daughter with three children $25 a day for nine hours of babysitting, and the other daughter with one child a dollar and a half an hour. Both households have very good incomes. Is it wrong for me to charge them, or should I do it for free? Well, that was Sefi who wants to know if it's wrong to charge her daughters to babysit. So, Sefi, are you on the phone? Yes, Dr. Phil. Let me just get right to the point. Look, if you're charging essentially $1.33 an hour for uh, the three ch children and $1.50 an hour for the other one, right? Right. Well, the, the one daughter thought it was easier to just pay $25 a day. Right. That doesn't even cover expenses for those children, does it? Um, well, if we watch them at their house... Um, you know, I don't have to take anything. I, sometimes I take food. Right? Okay, and this is scheduled, right? Yes, I, but we get there about 7.15 in the morning. Yeah, charge the money. <laughs> charge the money. Thank you so much. If the kids want to come over and spend the night with Grandma, that's one thing. But when they're calling you to their house to do a job, then you need to be paid for it, and I don't think you're charging enough. <laughs> but there you have it, Sefi. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Phil. Now, Paul, mm -hmm. is there anything I've said impacted you at all? Of course it has, yes. What? Um, the fact that I have to get out and do something now, because some money is better than none. I get where you're coming from, but here's the thing that I know about people that are off work. Right. The longer you're off work, the less likely you are to ever return to work. Mm -hmm. Now, that's just a fact. And you've got to break out of this. And what you haven't noticed is you're about to lose your wife. I, I'm, I read these things pretty good. This woman's about to leave you. Mm -hmm. She's not just barking. She is about to bite. She is going to leave you. Mm -hmm. do, do you mind if she leaves you? Do I mind? Yes. Of course I do. Yes. Well, I didn't know. I thought, you know, I, well, I, I, love didn't, her. I just assume you like her. I don't know. <laughs> My attitude about consolidating families in this economic hard times is everybody works every day. Mm -hmm. Everybody works every day. You get the best job you can. If it's an exciting career in the fast food industry, that's, that's not good. But it's better than sitting on the edge of the bed in your room all day. The bed is the only thing to sit in on the room. I know. That's my <laughs> point. Okay. Seriously, I would shovel Poughkeepsie before I would sit on that bed. Really? You're too sharp to not to not gain momentum. You got to get traction. You got to get back in the game. Yes, I know. You know, I actually made a list of things I want people to do if you're in this situation. You've been laid off, you've been hurt. And and I mean, listen, this number one, face your feelings. Don't avoid, I mean, realize, look, this is going to be tough for me and go in and people are going to say you're overqualified. 
You say, I may be, but I'm underfunded. Reach out for help. I mean, do reach out for help. Call everybody you know and look for a job. And third, be worthy of support. Be worthy of her support. Don't let her work and carry all the weight here. Be worthy of the support that you ask for and take care of yourself along the way and create a schedule. If you're going to work at a job that you think is a dead end, it's a gap filler, then schedule what you're going to do when you get off work, how you're going to handle getting to the next level. And lastly, be flexible, be adaptive, be willing to do what you have to do in the moment. Mm -hmm. I have worked as a car hop at A&W Root Beer Stand on skates, and I couldn't skate. <laughs> I have worked as a waiter at a pizza place and got fired because I couldn't remember to write the drinks down on the ticket. Yes. I've done it all, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm proud of it. It's character. We'll be right back. You heard what I said on the show, but to find out what I said after the show, visit DrPhil.com and click on Dr. Phil Uncensored. I really want to thank all of my guests for being here today, and we have a plan for you two, right? You got a contract, you signed it, I witnessed it. I am going to hook you up with what I believe is the number one headhunter in America. His name is Tony Brashira. Uh, he's based in Dallas, Texas, and he deals with executive level, highly skilled folks. Because your track record is you're one of the hardest working people that you've ever met. When he was in this industry, was he a hard worker? Absolutely. You're just stuck in a rut. You're just stuck in a rut. We're going to break you out of this, and you're going to get whatever job you can in the interim, right? Yes. Deal? Yes. Deal. All right. Uh, if you want to send me your comments, email me at drphil.com or visit my blog, or you can send me a tweet on Twitter. And I really love that because I'm having a great conversation with you guys about important things that turn into shows. So you can find me on Twitter as well. We really enjoy ourselves in the Dr. Phil audience, right? You guys have a good time? If you're going to be in the Los Angeles area, we would love to have you. Tickets are free. Go to drphil.com, click on B in the audience, or you can call 323-461-PHIL. That's 323-461-7445. Sounds funny to say your name is a phone number. <laughs> Thanks for being here. So long.